1: We're in 2 Chronicles tonight. Let's look by way of introduction on where it says Wednesday night Bible study on the front page. Genesis, I've listed it there for you, Let R. Genesis is what? Room. Everything was wrecked. You begin in chapter 1, 2, and 3, it's all life, and you end in the very last word in chapter 50, in a coffin in Egypt. And everything between there was nothing but sin. Sinning against God, killing a brother, incest, adultery, uh, lying to a dad for 25 years about your brother dying, just sad things. Uh, supplanting your brother, stealing a birthright, it's all ruined. And then we saw an Exodus was to exit or to remove, and Leviticus, of course, 87 times the subject of holiness, and, we we call it the book of righteousness. Numbers is the roll book, and they are taking the role. And then Deuteronomy is the words. That's what the word Deuteronomy means, or we call it the remarks. In Joshua, they were conquering a, a region. And and judges were the rulers. And Ruth, of course, was Ruth. And first and second Samuel was the reign. And we saw the reign of people and royalty was first and second kings. Last week we had with Brother Bertram speaking to us on First Chronicles review and two weeks ago, and now tonight we go to 2 Chronicles. It's a review. Really, Chronicles 1 and 2 review 1st and 2nd Kings. There you'll see their stories overlap. And we have the northern kingdom, Israel, and we have the southern kingdom, Judah, capital in Samaria capital in Jerusalem, 10 tribes, two tribes. Tonight we begin and we'll have prayer. Let's have prayer now. Father, as we continue to review, as we look to the second book of Chronicles, open our eyes to that which would help us tonight, we pray. Bless these dear people and our friends that are watching tonight in Jesus' name, amen. There are 19 kings of Israel there are 19 kings of Judah. Israel's kings reigned for, you see it there, 253 years. Judah's kings reigned for 389 years. You may or may not want to, if you have a habit, I have a habit writing my Bible, but you may want to write this at another time, not now, in the very first page of Second Chronicles, so when you get there next time in your Bible reading again, uh, that you'll remember these things. The average reign in Israel was 13 years. The average reign in uh, Judah was 20 years. With the 19 kings of Israel, there were seven assassinations and uh, one suicide. Here's the tragic thing, you see it right there? Every single king in Israel did evil in the sight of God. Here you're living in what we call the Promised Land, Canaan Land, and every single king, for over 250 years, chose we're going to do wrong. We're they they ushered in worship, high places. They ushered in sodomy. They ushered in whatever sin. heavy taxation. They had affinity with other nations that they should not have joined with. They just said, we're we're gonna stick our nose up at God. Leave us alone. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The 19 kings of Judah, we see that there are several of those that did right. I want you to begin with me as we turn to 2 Chronicles 14 is where we'll pick it up tonight. In 2 Chronicles 14, And um, we'll actually look at, uh, well, let's look at verse 2. And Asa, and so if you're writing in your notes, he's the one that reigned 41 years. It's chapter 14 through 16. Asa did that which was what? Good, and uh, we're in 2 Chronicles 14, 2. Let's read it together. Ready? And Asa did that which was. He took away the altars, the strange gods, the high places, break down the images, and he cut down the groves. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord of their fathers and to do the law and the commandments. And he also took away all the cities of Judah, the high places, the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. Hmm, verse six. He built fenced cities in Judah. For the land had rest and it had no war in those years because the Lord had given them rest. Hmm, verse seven. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates. He as the leader saw the necessity of protecting the people of God. It's very important. And whether you want to turn this into political, that's up to you. I'm not going political. I'm just saying a leader is to protect his people. We have spent so much money on security and I'm watching what I'm saying online and we're going to spend a lot more on both properties. We have put a lot of effort in. I am responsible for those children over at the other property, those teenagers. I'm responsible for the young people that are on this property 24 hours a day. I'm responsible for the ministry here. And I think God's people would be very, very pleased as to what this church has done and what they're gonna continue to do to make this a safe haven, safe spiritually, safe as a fortress. We have that responsibility. I'm learning more and more about some people all across the country. You don't believe in locking your doors. Well, it's safe. I don't know a place that's safe. the the, the police officers that have been shot and killed except for one have not been in California this year, 40 some. They're in rural areas. You are listening. You have, sir, a responsibility to protect your family. How you do that, but at least lock the doors. Know that all the children are safe. I I know it's sounding like I'm... uh, Maybe off the subject here, but I'm not. I believe every family, every home ought to have some type of security system. And backed up, backed up. You can read in that like you want. And the Bible says in verse 11, and Asa cried to the Lord, leaders ought to turn to God. Sunday school teachers and bus workers and pastors and this pastor. And he cried to the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, It is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord, and that should be our prayer. I think, and I know there's, the only thing I know about the news, there's something going on with tariffs right now. It gets me so discouraged, I don't watch it. I rarely see much about the news. It's very rare, I don't watch on TV. But I do know this, that my job is to go to God and get help and encouragement and the news doesn't give it to me. I know it's a dark night, but it's always been dark. And here's a man that says I'm gonna go to God for help and God can help with many or few, it doesn't matter. With God, God could turn this thing around for our churches in America. Our churches could be hot Hot uh, beds of havens of preaching the word of God and standing for the word of God and standing for soul winning and and Bible separation and looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and saying we we can see America come back through our churches and we can see America come back to God. He prayed. Notice in chapter fifteen, the spirit of the Lord came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and they went out to meet Asa. God rose up a prophet to help the king. God rose up a prophet. On my prayer list is a man by the name of Donald Trump. Just like Barack Obama was on my prayer list and George Bush and the presidents before that. On my prayer list is Mike Pence and Karen, his wife. On my prayer list is Nancy Pelosi. She's our speaker of the house. Uh, on my prayer list, our our city, our our city mayor and our city political officers and our chief of police, they're on my prayer list. Most everybody politically that's on my list as far as I know are lost, but I'm praying they'll get saved. I want everyone, God said he's willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I still pray for Barack Obama. I want Mr. Obama, our president, and his wife and his two girls to be safe and saved. I don't know about his salvation. I sat in a meeting for several hours with Mr. Bush and I heard him personally say how he was born again. I never heard that testimony with his wife. I never heard that testimony with his mother and dad. I hope they were saved. I want you to know we have a responsibility to pray for them that are in authority. First Peter, first Timothy tells us. We should be praying for Mr. Trump. We should be praying for his family and their names are listed in my prayer journal. We we should be praying for our our, uh, governor in this state and he doesn't stand for righteousness by the way. But God can change that one night as God changed Nebuchadnezzar in his palace on one night. We find here that the Bible said, verse three, a long season Israel had been without a true priest and without a teaching priest, without the law. But when they in their trouble did turn to the Lord and Sodom, he was found of them. He said, verse seven, be strong, therefore, let not your hands be weak. For your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard the words of the prophecy, the prophet. He took courage. Our job is to bring encouragement to the leadership, not discouragement. Every wife ought to bring encouragement to the husband. Every husband ought to bring encouragement to the wife. Every child ought to bring encouragement to the parents. Our job is to keep our Sunday school teachers encouraged. Our job is to keep our deacons encouraged. Our job is to keep these ushers encouraged. People that serve with us and serve us, our job is to let them know they're doing a good job. Notice what the Bible says in verse 12, they enter into covenant with the, seek the Lord, their, the Father with all their heart and with all their soul. Now there's more I'd like to read about this man, Asa, but he's the first one. Asa served 41 years and don't get nervous. I know I won't be able to cover them all. Jehoshaphat is the next one. 2 Chronicles 17. And Jehoshaphat in chapter 17, he, but he sought, verse four, the Lord of his father, and he walked in the commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Now watch what he says in verse six. Will you read verse six, chapter 17 with me? Ready, begin. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord, when we took away the high Jesus First time they taught Judah and had the book of the law. They walk, now. You see, word Bible. But the law, they walk back. What a what a great king! Look in chapter 18. He makes a huge mistake. He makes an alliance with Ahab. What do we know about Ahab? Well, we know he's married to Jezebel. So when you say Ahab and Jezebel, are you thinking good people? They're very bad people. And leaders, please, please, leaders don't always do things perfect. You imagine how difficult it would be to be the president of the United States. People sometimes spent their whole day just anti Obama, Mr. Obama, or anti-Trump, or anti-Bush, or anti-Clinton, or anti, you can go all the way back. In my lifetime, I, I can't remember who was before Truman, but I know Truman, and you keep going forward the presidents. We've had a lot of presidents, and I don't think, I was thinking about this the other day, praying, I don't think I really know any president that had a lot of righteousness. Oh, Abraham Lincoln did, and George Washington, but that's before my time. It's not before Bill Shilton's time, but it's before my time, and it's a long time ago. But in my lifetime, I don't know, uh, Mr. Truman, talked about biblical things, but I don't know how righteous he was. And Mr. Eisenhower talked about biblical things and about the Bible. I've read his quotes. And Mr. Kennedy said a lot of good things. He was our first and only Roman Catholic. You recall those days when we were trying to figure out America was the news media. Is the Pope gonna tell you what to do? We've never had a Catholic in office. And LBJ was not a moral man. He was a womanizer. We know that. And, and, and you go on to uh, Mr. Nixon and Mr. Ford and, and, uh, and, and you just follow all the way through all the, pra- I don't know a lot of them were righteous people. I don't know a lot of them that did everything right. But thank God they tried to serve us. Why do we have to constantly trying to find fault with people? There's not a leader I know that's perfect. Well, maybe one. but if you live like that man, like I have to live with him, you know he is way off base. I get weary with myself. I think our job was not in the Bible commanded to find fault with leadership. I think as I read the Bible, our job is to pray for leadership. I'm not saying they do the right things. I I get weary with some of these leaders But the Bible says in verse 6, his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. I like that. But then he made this alliance in chapter 18 with Ahab. And it was an awful decision. But we find that this man, Jehoshaphat, dies. And uh, before his death, I want you to notice chapter 19. So that the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace in Jerusalem. He said, thou shouldest help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord. No, Nevertheless, there are good things I have found in thee. Thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and preparing thy heart to seek the Lord. And he set judges in the land throughout the fenced cities of Judah, city by city. And he said to the judges, take heed that ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord. In verse 9, he said, and he charged them, saying, thus shall I do in the fear of the Lord faithfully with a perfect heart. You know, the man's heart was desirous, Jehoshaphat, to do right. He made affinity and alliance with Ahab, wrong decision. Sometimes, I know we just have some teenagers in here and the little kids are all gone, but mom and dad are not always perfect. But they're your mom and dad. Love your parents. You have the joy of calling someone dad or the joy of calling someone mother, love them. Don't hold them to perfection. Because one day you're going to be a parent and you're going to find out it's not as easy as you thought. You teenagers that are in here tonight, I know no parents perfect. Uh, I was a parent, had kids in the home, and I certainly wasn't perfect. Tried, but you are so blessed. You know, we didn't have Christian schools when I was going through school, so we went to public schools. But somebody loves you enough that they paid your way through school. Mom, a dad, a grandparent. That's a lot of effort. Some of your mothers go to work to pay a school bill for kindergarten or K-4 all the way through. I, I would imagine she'd like to, some mothers like to just stay home and be a wife and a mother from home. And that doesn't mean that if your mother stays at home that she's a lazy lady. Uh, the ladies of this church are incredible. But always be expressive and don't hold your mom to perfection or your dad. The next man is in chapter 24. And I know I just have a few moments left. I'm hoping that will just whet our our appetite to go and find these. And you'll find these same stories. I should have put the kings, the chapters there. But we have Joash and he's in chapter 24, verse number two. And Joash did that was right. I love what Joash did. Look at verse 4. Let's read verse 4, chapter 24, verse 4. You have it there, ready, to begin. And it came to pass after this that Joash You know, here's a king and he said I want to I want to get God's house rebuilt. He understood as in the Old Testament, the Tabernacle and three tribes at the north and three tribes at the south and Three tribes at the east and three tribes at the west, and two million Jews as that tabernacle moved for 40 years. It was the center of all the tribes. And this king realized that if we're going to have a great nation, we're going to have to reinstitute worship. Don't buy into this stuff that we need less church. And it is sweeping our fundamental churches right now. The more you travel up, perhaps you could tell more about that than I could. But Sunday school is becoming a lost thing. Sunday night is, is being dissipated quickly and Wednesday night we're canceling it. I don't know, but I do know the Bible says and so much the more as you see the day approaching. God's people will have a hunger for the word of God a hunger for the house of God, a hunger for the fellowship with God's people. And he said, "I'm going to open up God's house." And he said, "I'm going to repair your, the, your uh, 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 of your house of God year by year." And then he said, I'm, "I'm also burdened about giving." Verse eight. And the king commanded that they made a chest, and it was Joash's chest. And people came by, and they dropped their money in Joash's chest for the house of God. He served and. During that time, they saw the apostasy, verse number 17 and 18 that came, and verse number 20, they stoned a prophet. He was so burdened about it all. The Bible says in verse 27, that concerning his sons and his greatness and the burdens laid upon them, the repairing of the house of God, behold, they are written in the story of the book of Kings. Well, the next one is... Amaziah he served twenty nine years, Joash forty years, and Jehoshaphat twenty five, and Asa forty one. Verse twenty five, verse two of chapter twenty five. Would you read it with me? Ready? Chapter twenty five, verse two, regarding Amaziah. Ready? Begin. He did that which was. There comes a point in our life that we have to do right. But it's our decision. The next king, chapter 26, Uzziah, he reigned for 52 years. Chapter 26, verse 4, shall we read it together? And let's read 4 and 5. 26, 4 and 5. Ready, begin. He did that was right. man Uzziah that sought God he, he said I, I want to I know God when you young teenagers grow older you'll fall in love with a young lady you ladies will fall in love with a young man and you're going to find I want to be with that person all the time you're going to want to spend time with that person and you're going to want to get to know that person and you want to get to know that person before you get married So we call it dating and courtship. And you're not ready for that in high school. You're ready ready for reading, writing, arithmetic. You're ready for the eight parts of speech. You're ready for grammar. You're ready for how to write papers. You got the rest of your life. But but then when you date and then when you court and then when you engage and then when you get married, hopefully you know this person, but you're going to find out and most couples do in the first year that you don't know that person like you thought you knew that person. You're gonna find out that you married some guy that you know the name is still the same name, but the guy's a nutcase. Yeah, and you're gonna find that that lady that you are so madly in love she's she's got issues. And you're going to come see me and I'll just go say, hey, welcome to the club. We all went through it. Everybody just said, so, well, we never did. No, that's why you're so boring. That's why you last one guy or one lady and nobody else wants you. Boring. We got married and I, I tell you, I always have loved my wife. But That first year, maybe it wasn't this way for you. Some, it's the second some it's the 50th, I don't know. But, but, uh, but that first year, we, we served the Lord together and we loved it. She played the piano for children's church and ch- junior church choir and high school choir, and church choir. We had quartets and groups and singing and a uh, Sunday school class we taught and I taught and she was there and uh, we served with the youth. It, we, we just had, we had a wonderful ministry together. But in that first year, Master Jack would say, jump. And she's not a jumper. You know, my my dad never treated my mother that way. Snap your finger. And I did not say jump, and I did not snap your finger. But I was was opinionated, I guess. I'm so patient and quiet. Submissive now, amen. That would have been a good place to say amen. You're not amen in anything tonight, are you, Brother Jose? You're against the offering now, you're against my, my spirit. I'm not upset, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I'm so ashamed. I, I was irritated. I was always, but George, you're getting married soon, you'll know what I'm talking about. I was always crawling back. You know what I'm talking about. You'll pay for that amen right there. No point at Brother Chad. You said amen. I heard you. And I'd say to her, Cindy, and I was, I was always wrong. And I said, Cindy, I'm so sorry. And it would just bother me. She said, I I accept your apology. Oh, then World War III started. You know, you have to to take time to know one another. But the same is true with God. I want to know God so personally. I want to, our class this Sunday, we're in being filled with the Spirit of God. I want to live filled with the Spirit. I read an account that R.A. Tori went to a restaurant. R.A. Torrey started over here about 30 minutes from here at Mount Hermon Christian Conference Center. He was D.L. Moody's assistant. He led the music and he worked and became pastor of Moody Church and president of Moody Bible Institute so many years ago. R.A. Torrey has had to be in the late 1800s, I would guess maybe the early 1900s, went to a, a meal at a restaurant and a hotel, and he ate, and he just was so prompted by the Spirit of God to witness to the waiter. He just knew, Brother David, he was being prompted to to witness, and here's a great man of God, and he said, I, I, I'll, I'll get it at the end of the meal. And the end of the meal came, and things were busy, and he paid the bill, and and he he wanted to witness, but it just didn't work out. And he goes, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait outside. I'm just gonna wait for him. Get off the ship. I'm gonna." The, he said, "I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me to witness to him." And he waited, and he waited, and he waited. Alexander was with him. Alexander was the great song leader for Crusades with R. A. Tori. He was a just a great musician. If you can read any books on his life, I've got them in my library. They're just incredible. Wrote so many great hymns. Now, Alexander was with him and said, You're waiting all this time. He said, Well, go up, go up to the hotel, to the room, and uh, you wait for me up there. And he waited, and the owner, the proprietor is what they call him, came out and said, You're out here. Is anything I can do for you? He goes, Well, I'm a preacher, and I've been so burdened to talk to my waiter and uh, talk to him about the Lord. And when he dies, would he go to heaven? And the proprietor said, you'll never have that conversation. It's too late. He said a while ago, when he got off his ship, he walked back in those woods and he killed himself. R.A. Torrey said, that changed my life. By his grace, I was gonna listen every time the Spirit of God told me something. My wife and I have had a policy in our marriage for all these years to pray together at night. But I can never pray if there's anything between my heart and her heart. And I must say, it was never as bad as you think. My wife always said, you tell that, and I never remember it that bad. Well, it's a good illustration, I guess, but I remember it that, I so opinionated. But you know, it's impossible to pray together and be mad. It is impossible. You can't argue, argue, argue. All right, Heavenly Father, now we start praying. It doesn't work that way. In some of your homes, sir, you want to pray, but your wife doesn't want you to. Dear lady, that's pride. You ought to encourage your husband. Honey, honey, you pray. I need you to pray. I want you to pray. Sometimes a wife is stifling a husband's prayer life because she won't buy into it. We have just learned, as we will tonight, it's wonderful to pray together. I don't want to flower it up like it's bigger than what it is. But we have needs, what we're praying for, that we're burdened about in our lives. We have concerns that we're burdened about. We have people in this church that we're burdened about. And my wife will tell you, once in a while, I'll pray. I always pray. But as I pray, Once in a while she'll hear me start nodding off. And I'm ashamed to tell you sometimes I've fallen asleep praying. But we pray. You're going to have to make a decision. These these kings, all the kings of Israel chose, I'm not going to do right. And the people suffered. These kings chose to do right and the people were blessed.